And open your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter number 1. <clears throat> All right, it is good to be here this evening. God's being good to us and blessed us. Amen. Romans chapter number 1, verse number 18. Verse number 18. <clears throat> let, me, let, me just, let me just grab verse number 16 because I like it. Amen. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let's go ahead and read 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Or very simply, they know better, but they won't do better. Amen? That's what that says in verse number 18. They know they ought to get saved, but they won't do it. Verse number 19, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Men who hold the truth in unrighteousness are without excuse. And men who say there is no God are without excuse. That doesn't get... That doesn't get them off the hook. Amen. In fact, verse number 20 says that God uh, has, uh, has clearly revealed His eternal power and His Godhead. We're told in verse number 20 that the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Now, how can you see something that's invisible? Or how can you see someone who is invisible? And yet the scriptures say that God is the invisible God. We cannot see God with these eyes. We can't see, he's, he's not a part of the visible spectrum. We can't see God with our, with our human eyes. However, God has made a way for us to see the one who is invisible. And it's, we're told in that verse that way is that they're clearly seen being understood by the things which are made. In other words, we can look at the creation and we can see the Creator. We can look around us and see the world we're living in, see the handiwork of God and know that there is a God in heaven. Amen. So men have eyes to see and ears to hear and can look around and see the world that God's made. They're without excuse. You can be seated, and I want to preach tonight for a little while on this thought from verse number 20, seeing God in the creation. Seeing God in the creation. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the great privilege that we have to be in the house of God tonight. God, we could have been upon the bed of affliction tonight, but you let us be in your house. Lord, we could be in the, in the valley of... Uh, a dark valley, the shadow of death tonight. But God, you let us be in your house to fellowship around the good word of God. 
And Lord, tonight I pray that you'll open its pages to our heart. I pray, as the psalmist said, that you would open our eyes, that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I pray, Lord, tonight that you would help us to see the Lord Jesus in a way that we've never quite seen him before. May we see him more clearly, and <clears throat> may we love him more dearly, and may we serve him more sincerely. God, would you have your way in every heart in this service tonight? May the Son of God be magnified and God's name be glorified. And for all that you do for us, we'll thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We learn from verse number 20 that God has made a way for us to see the invisible. We can look at the things that are made and clearly see the invisible things of him from the creation of the world. Now, what I want to do tonight is I want to share with you, and from really a very personal experience, one of the ways that God has allowed me to see him in the creation. Now, I'm glad and thankful that God wrote his word down in the pages of the Bible. Uh, actually, God also wrote his word down in a person, in flesh and blood, in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the Word incarnate. Amen. Long before that, God wrote His Word on the scroll of nature or in the, cre in the created world around us. And I want us to look at that scroll of nature tonight and read the Word of God and see Him who is invisible. Now, how many, some of you, I know Brother Whittemore, he's not here tonight, but he's been, Brother Randy's been there to Anawalt, West Virginia, and there where I live in Anawalt, in my front yard, there is a gigantic pine tree. I really don't know how high that tree is, I just know that it's way up yonder, amen. It is big. And I, I've lived there now for nearly 30 years in Anwald in that house and every day walked under that pine tree on my way out to my vehicle to go where I had to go that day. And I walked by that tree a lot of times before I finally realized what that tree made me think of. And you know, the world around us, they, they, they look at the world, uh, men around us look at the world and they see the handiwork of God, but they don't catch on to what's right in front of their very eyes or sometimes what's right under their own nose. Amen. Just like me in that pine tree. And then I begin to realize that that pine tree makes me think about heaven. It makes me think about heaven for a number of reasons. And one of those reasons is because it's so high. Amen. Uh, that tree is so high. I, I'm not sure how high it is, but I know it, it, it's two or three times higher than the house I live in. And I have a three-story house. Amen. It's way up yonder somewhere. Makes me think about heaven because, you see, heaven is also way up yonder somewhere where God lives. In fact, the Scriptures talk about three heavens. There's the atmospheric heaven, and then there's the starry heaven, and then far above that is the third heaven, the abode of God. So it makes me think about heaven because it's so high. And then that tree also makes me think about heaven because it's so wide. In fact, when, when I stand underneath the tree, and you know how it is in the mountains, mountains on this side and this and, and all around, and, and as I stand underneath that tree, literally the boughs reach out in 
every direction and, and they sort of form a canopy that reaches from one mountaintop to the other. They literally take in the whole sky. And it makes me think about the vastness of the universe that God has made. I mean, as far as you can see in that direction and as far as you can see in that direction, and really the, the astronomers and, and those who, who have the equipment to study the stars and, and to be able to guess about its dimensions of the, of the universe, they have no idea how big it is. Amen. Makes me think about God. Makes me think about God because of how wide it is. Amen. And then that tree also makes me think about God because it's so green. It makes me think about heaven because it's so green. And you see, that pine tree is an evergreen tree. It's green all the time. Now, up in the mountains where we live already, the trees are beginning to turn. And here in a few short weeks, they're going to change all the different colors. Boy, God's going to get out his palette and he's going to paint a masterpiece all around us. But those, tree, those leaves on those trees are going to dry and wither and fall off and crumble up on the ground and will be no more. And all around us, nature's going to take on the appearance of death. That for all practical purposes, that trees are going to look dead, but not my pine tree. While all the other trees are dead and barren, that tree's just as green as it ever was. And it makes me think about heaven because there's no death up yonder in heaven. There's no dying. In fact, nobody gets old up there and wrinkled and nobody withers up over there in heaven. There's no crepe on the doorknob. There are no wreaths there, no funeral homes and no graveyards, amen, in heaven. There's no death and no dying over there. Amen. But there's life and life everlasting where the Lord is in heaven. And, and then when I, I think about that pine tree, it makes me think about heaven because of the way the Lord himself mentioned the pine tree in the Old Testament. Look over in Isaiah chapter 60 for just a moment, if you will. In Isaiah chapter number 60, and, and I want you to look at verse number 13. And as we read the verse, this is not Isaiah speaking, but this is Jehovah himself. This is the Lord himself speaking in verse number 13. And he says, The glory of Lebanon shall come unto thee, the fir tree and the pine tree and the box together to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make the place of my feet glorious. Now, in that verse, God is talking about his dwelling place or his temple, if you will. He's talking about his sanctuary and he's talking about making that sanctuary glorious and he's going to beautify it with the pine tree. Amen. And so God is going to use a pine tree to beautify his dwelling place. Well, when I look at that uh, pine tree, it makes me think about what God said. It reminds God of his own dwelling place. Amen. And that's where God dwells, isn't it, in heaven? And so that tree makes me think about heaven, the abode or the dwelling place of God. And then that tree also makes me think about heaven for another reason. And the other reason is uh, even though I can't, when I stand down here and I look up, I cannot see all the way to the top, but I know it has a top. Amen. 
and heaven is the same way from down here on the ground. We can't see all the way up there where God is, but I know that he's up there. Amen. I do know one thing. When I stand under that tree, it's very interesting. When I stand under that tree and the wind begins to blow, well, as the wind blows, the branches begin to sway, and as the branches sway, each time I can see a little higher than I could before. That's why I like to get in a meeting like this and get under the canopy of heaven and let the wind of heaven blow, amen? And there's a stir in the camp, and I can see just a little higher than I did before, amen? And so that tree really does make me think about heaven. But that tree makes me think about heaven because that tree is just literally filled with living creatures. Uh, in fact, you can stand underneath and look up through the branches and you can see all their little homes up there. Or, or nests, if you want to call them that. You can see where they live, where they dwell. And that tree is just filled with living creatures. And guess what? They all have wings. Amen. And makes me think about up there where God is. Did you know that heaven tonight is just literally filled with myriads of living creatures? Uh, that's what Ezekiel called them when he saw the living creatures. And they all have wings, don't they? They all have those wings. And in heaven tonight, there is the angelic creation. And do you know what they spend all their time doing? Uh, I'm talking about those... those uh, angels up in heaven you know what they or those birds in my tree you know what they spend all their time doing they spend all their time just coming down here and going back up there coming down here and going back up there well those angels up in heaven that's what they spend all their time doing death. in fact when Jacob saw them in Genesis chapter 28 when he had the dream and saw the ladder that reached up to heaven. He said he saw the angels of God ascending and descending on that ladder and there was the Lord himself standing at the top. Amen. Now we don't understand all about the ministry of angels but we do know that the Bible says they are ministering spirits that are sent forth to, be, to them that are to be heirs of salvation. And the angels of God do minister in this world for us on our behalf. Amen. Even though we don't see them and we don't always understand it, they're moving from here to there, from heaven to earth, constantly. And then, do you know what else they, they like to spend the time doing? One of their favorite pastimes, one of the favorite pastimes is those living creatures. I'm talking about those birds in my tree. They spend their time singing. And they just love to sing. Amen. And you know, when I read in the Bible, I read that those are living creatures up in heaven, they spend their time singing too. In fact, when, when Isaiah saw them over in Isaiah chapter number 6, he said he saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And above the throne of God were the seraphims and they all had six wings. And in verse number 3, here's their song. They sing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord of hosts and the whole earth is full of his glory. And John saw them over in the book of Revelation chapter number 4. And when John saw them, they were singing much the same song. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And there in the glory world, those living creatures spend all their time crying holy unto the Lord. 
And the truth is, you're going to have a hard time convincing me that those little birds in my pine tree are not singing the very same song. As a matter of fact, Psalm 150 does say, and let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Amen. And I just believe they're just flooding their wings and singing glory to his name. Amen. Well, when I thought about those birds in my tree, those living creatures up in that pine tree, I, I realized that their favorite time to sing was early in the morning. Now, if you're an early riser and you're up about 5 o'clock in the mountains up there, everything will be quiet and still. But along about 5.30, one little bird will usually sing out. And when he does, you'll hear another one over here join in. And then from over there, there'll come another one, and then another, and another. And before you know it, you've got a whole choir of living creatures singing. Amen. And I thought about those living creatures in heaven. Did you know what was their favorite time to sing? Well, in Luke chapter 2, it was just about time for the sun to appear. And, and, one, and one little bird sang out. One little, one little living creature sang out and said, Fear not, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Amen. And then in a moment, the others joined in that heavenly choir. And they sang, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward man. And there the living creatures from heaven sang to welcome the appearance of the Son. Amen. And so really that pine tree does make me think a lot about heaven. But you know that pine tree makes me think about heaven for another reason. It makes me think about heaven because I, I, I know that it's way up yonder and I know all those living creatures up yonder, but I also know that there's something or someone else living in that tree besides those birds. There's something else in that tree that makes me, that makes that tree remind me of heaven. Now, I know that there is something or someone living in my pine tree way up there somewhere at the top. Now, you've got to understand, I never have seen him. And isn't that what Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says? The invisible things from the creation of the world are clearly seen by the things that are made. Now, there's somebody living in my pine tree that I have never seen. I've never laid eyes on. I've seen those living creatures, but I've never seen this one. But I know he's up there. I know that he's up there because of what I found down here on the ground under that tree. And you might ask, well, preacher, what, what did you find on the ground under that tree? I'm glad you asked that question because I'm going to show it to you tonight. Here, here's what I found on the ground underneath my pine tree. You see that? You know what those are? Those are hickory nut shells. Amen. I preached this in our church at home and one little boy punched his mama and said, what does he think we are, a bunch of nuts? <laughs> and I said, well, that's what the world thinks we are. Amen. 
they think that we're just kind of nutty, we're, they, that, uh, you know, we're a little bit on the crazy side, but that's all right, I'll be a nut for Jesus, amen. amen. Hey, I know that there's someone living in that pine tree, and that someone left these on the ground under the tree for me to find. Now, you know, the first time I ever walked by and found one of those on the ground, I looked at it and I thought, how did a hickory nut get in my yard? There's no hickory trees around here. Uh, uh, where'd it come from? My first thought was that one of those birds had carried it in, dropped it on the ground. Then I, I realized that a bird can't do that to a hickory nut. Uh, he'd sit and peck on that all day, and all he'd do is wear himself out. He couldn't do that to a hickory nut. And then I thought, secondly, well, maybe it's, maybe it's a chipmunk. They're real famous up there where we live. And I thought, there, there's been a chipmunk in my yard. And then I realized chipmunks don't live in trees. And they wouldn't nest close, that close to the house for us to, to run into them. They, they'd stay away from where we are. And when I thought about who or what it is in my tree that left that on the ground, uh, by process of elimination, I only had one conclusion I could draw, there's got to be a squirrel in my tree. And uh, my first, first time I saw it, I thought nothing of it. I thought maybe just, maybe somebody threw that in my yard. It got there somehow by accident, somehow by coincidence. Surely there's no squirrel in my tree. I've never seen him. Folks, I, tonight, I've still never seen him. But you know, that's what the world thinks when they look at the creation and they look at, at what God's made here. They think, well, it's just an accident. It's just a coincidence. I mean, surely there can't be somebody up there that made all this down here. That's the natural mind. But when I, I found, but when the days passed, and I found another one, and I found another one, and I found another one, and another one, it got my curiosity up, and I realized there has to be a squirrel up in my tree. Now, I know something about that one that lives up in my tree. Here's what I know about him. I know he's been down here before. You know how I know that? Hickory nuts don't grow on a pine tree. <laughs> That's deep theology. So he had to come down here to go get them, didn't he? Amen. I know he's been down here before. I know that he came down that tree from his nest, from his home, and he came down and he went to get those nuts. Uh, there's something else that, that I know. I know he had to go a long way to get them because, you know, there's not, even a, there's not a hickory nut anywhere near where I live. I, I don't know how far you'd have to go to find one. I don't know anywhere near my home where there is a hickory tree. But guess what? He knows and there's a whole lot of things he knows that I don't know. I'm talking about the Lord, amen. But that squirrel knows where that tree is. And he came, he came all the way down from up there. And when he did, he had to be willing to go as far and as deep in the darkness of the woods as he had to go to find those nuts and bring them back again. And I believe we see a we get a glimpse there into the heart of God who was willing to come all the way down from up yonder and to go as deep in the dark valley of death as he had to go to get you and me 
to be his own. There's something else I know about that one living up in my tree. I know he's been here before. I, I know he came down for these nuts. But I know exactly why he came down for them. I hadn't talked to him. I hadn't asked him about it. I hadn't seen him. But I know, and you can't deny it. I know exactly why he came down that tree and went into the woods and got those nuts. Do you know why? Because he loves them. Now, you don't think he'd come all the way down that tree and go all the way out into the woods to get something he didn't like, do you? And I know exactly why the Lord Jesus came all the way down from heaven and went all the way to Calvary for you and me just because he loved me so. That great love of God wherewith he loved us. I know something else too. Even though I wasn't there when it happened and I didn't see it happen, I know where he found those nuts. He found them at a tree. Amen? Now I said at a tree and not on the tree because just about when it's just about time for squirrels to go out and gather up nuts in the fall of the year, the nuts ripen and they fall off the tree. So when, when the squirrel got to the nut, it was on the ground because that's where it fell. When he got to it, it was already in a fallen state. Makes me think about Genesis chapter number 3. When God came down in the cool of the evening in the garden and cried out to Adam, Where art thou, Adam? And Adam, Adam had been at a tree, hadn't he? the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's where Adam fell. And when God found Adam that evening, he was already in a fallen state. When that squirrel found that nut, it was on the ground because that's where it fell. Now, I know something else, too, about that squirrel. I know that he had to be willing to go to a tree to get him. Amen. And I know something about Jesus. He had to be willing to go to a tree. The tree of the cross. To get you and me. So that we could be here. I also know that when that squirrel came down that tree to go get those nuts. In the fall of the year when, when squirrels are out getting up their nuts for the winter. They come down at a very dangerous time. Because just about the time they're gathering up their, their store for the winter, they open up season, honey season on the squirrels. Amen? And it's open season on them. They, do, they gather these, these nuts up at a very dangerous time. And I also know that when the Lord Jesus came down from heaven and went to that tree, on his way to that tree, he came at a very dangerous time. Because it was open season on the Son of God. And if you read in the Gospels, if you read in the Gospels, they had conspired against him already to put him to death. And they had people that last week, that last Passover week, they had people stationed throughout the city watching for him, hunting for him, looking for him. He couldn't walk openly among the Jews because he knew if they spotted him, they'd come and take him. And their intention was to put him to death. And so just like that squirrel, he can, the Lord Jesus came down at the risk of his own life. 
Not only did he risk his life, but he gave his life on that tree for you and for me. Well, I, I know something else about that squirrel. And again, I didn't see this, but I'm, we know the nature of the animal. And, and there's no one here that can deny it. I know what he did with those nuts when he found them. Do you know what he did with them when he found them? He picked them up. Off the ground. He lifted them up from that fallen state. Hallelujah. And you know what the Lord Jesus did when he found me? <laughs> he lifted me <laughs> David said, I was down in a horrible pit. I cried out to, the, to God. And he heard my cry. And he lifted me up out of the miry clay. And he set my feet on a rock. Oh, he picked them up. And then when he picked them up, do you know what he did next? He carried them back to his nest. He carried them back to that pine tree, that squirrel in my yard. And he took them up there because it was up there in his nest that he did that to them. Amen. And you say, well, well, preacher, when the Lord picked us up and, and, saved, and lifted us out and saved us, he didn't take us to heaven. Well, I don't know about that. Ephesians chapter 2 says, and let me read it to you. It says, even when we were dead and he's quickened us together with Christ and hath raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places with Christ. Amen. And he did a heavenly work in our heart. Amen. And did you know tonight that even though we're sitting here in, this, in the comfort of this building, positionally we're already in heaven with Jesus. As far as God the Father is concerned, we're as good as already there. And when I get in a good meeting down here, sometimes I feel like I'm there. Amen. John saw us already there. When he got a preview of heaven. Amen. And so he, he picked them up and he carried them up to his nest. Amen. But you know, when I found those nuts, I didn't find them up there. I didn't find them in that tree. You know where I found them? I found them right on the ground underneath that tree. Now let me say this. When the Lord did save us, if he had wanted to, he could have taken us to heaven right then. We were just as saved right then as we'll ever be. He could have taken us right on to glory right at that moment had he wanted to. Amen. But there's a reason why he didn't. Same reason that squirrel left those nuts on the ground. He left those nuts on the ground so that I, when I found them down here, I'd know he was up there. And the Lord, when he saved us, he left us down here as a witness and a testimony so that when people saw us and saw what the Lord had done for us, they'd know he was up there. He left us behind as a testimony and a witness that he is really there. Amen and hallelujah. Amen. And so when I found them, they were down here. But it made me realize there was somebody up there. Yes, sir. 
But you know, from the time the squirrel found that nut until the time I found that nut, something had happened to it. Hey, you know when the squirrel found that nut? Right there's what it looked like when he first found it. You see it? But when I found it, here's what it looked like. You see, while he had it up there, he made a change in it. While he had it up there, he did a job on it. <laughs> it is not the same old nut it used to be. Amen. And when the Lord found us and lifted us by His grace and raised us up together with Christ, amen, He made a change in this. And we talked about this last night. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Amen. He changed that nut. Now, do you know how he changed it? Do you know how he made the change on that nut? Here's how he did it. You see, right here in his mouth, he has two sharp-edged tools <laughs> that are made just sharp enough and just strong enough to pierce through the hard shell of that nut and to reach down into the inner recesses of its heart. Amen. He used that sharp two-edged tool that he has in his mouth to get the job done. And Hebrews chapter 4 says that God has a sharp two-edged sword. Amen. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I'll tell you, he took the Word of God and he pierced through the hardness of our old, hard, cold, simple heart. And he got right down on the, deep down on the inside, amen. And you know, I didn't notice till I began to, to look at all these of the hickory nut looks and it's shaped exactly like a heart. And that's a part of us God's interested in, isn't he? You can clean the outside up and dress it up and the inside will still be the same. But God's concerned about our heart. And so he took that sharp tool and he cut down into the heart of that nut. And then you know what he did? You can look at it. He cleaned it out on the inside. Amen. I mean, he cleaned it out. Thank God. That's what the Lord did for us. When he took that sword of his word and pierced into our heart, he cleaned us out on the inside. Amen. You see, there's just, a, there's just something inside of nuts. There's just something inside nuts. Now think about that phrase for just a moment. Something inside nuts. Let's make an acrostic from those three words. Something begins with the letter and inside begins with the letter and nuts begins with the letter. That's right. S-I-N. There's just something inside of nuts, isn't there? And there's just something in our old hearts that separates us from God. But that, just like that squirrel that pierced down to the inner recess of, the, of that nut and cleaned it all out, that something that was inside the nut 
He just took it all away. And that's what the Lord did for me and you when He saved. He cleaned us out on the inside and that sin, He just took it all away. In fact, I know what He did. I know what that squirrel did with what He took out of that nut. I wasn't there and I didn't see it, but we're seeing the invisible anyway. Amen. I wasn't there and I didn't see it, but I know and you do too what He did with what He took out of that nut. He swallowed it up. That's a good Bible word, by the way. That's what Jesus did with sin and death. He swallowed it up in victory. Amen. And then, I hope this doesn't sound crude, but I know what else that squirrel did with what he took out of that nut. Not only did he swallow it up, but then he digested it, and then he eliminated it. Did you hear what I said? I said, he eliminated it. Hey, do you know what the Lord did with our sins tonight? <laughs> he eliminated them, amen, for good. You ask me why I'm happy, I'll just tell you why. Because my sins are gone. They're underneath the blood of the cross of Calvary. As far removed as darkness is from dawn. They're gone. And you can't find them. As a matter of fact, I challenge you to go back in the woods and find what came out of that nut. Amen. You're not going to find it. It's gone. And besides, if you did find it, you could never put it back in there and put that nut back together like it was before. Never again. When he made the change on it, he, in it, he made a permanent change. Amen. And the Lord made a permanent change in you and me. We'll never go back like we were before. We'll never stand as a condemned sinner again. We'll never have to hear him say, Depart from me, I never knew you. When he made the change, it was a permanent change. Now notice something else. You, you have to agree with me about this too. He, the, he, when he made the change, he made the change on the inside, but it shows up on the outside. Amen. Hey, did you know you could get some, you could take a hickory nut, you could get some paint, you could paint it up, or you could paint flowers on it, you could paint angels on it. You could even paint the Lord on it if you, if you wanted to. Hey, you could decorate it up and you could change it on the outside, but the inside would still be the same. We got a lot of folks like that across the country. A lot of them in Baptist churches, amen. They changed the outside like Jesus said the Pharisees did. But on the inside, there were still dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Amen. You can change the outside without changing the inside. But you cannot change the inside without changing the outside. If you are genuinely born again, if you're genuinely saved by the grace of God, it'll show up on you. There'll be some real evidence. And anybody that looks at it will be able to tell that it's been changed on the inside. Amen. You can't deny it. There's the proof. 
And if you've been saved, it'll show in your life there will be some evidence. And if there has been no change, then there has been no salvation. Now, you're going to have to agree with me about something else too about that nut. Did you know that nut would have laid on the ground? It would have laid on the ground until it rotted, until it perished, and it could have never made that change in itself. Amen. And we can never change ourselves and make ourselves by our own power acceptable to God. That one... When, you know what the songwriter, Brother Squire said, when I could not come to where he was, he came to me. And when that, that nut would have laid there until it rotted, until one day, the one who had the power to change it came to where it was and picked it up and made the change in the nut. Thank God for the day he came my way and picked me up and made the change in me. Amen. And, and then notice something else. Now, you can see, I, I don't know how well you can see in the back, but if, if, you can look at this up close later. But that, he, he completely cleaned that nut out. Now, how many of you will agree with me now that that nut is nothing more than just an empty shell? Put them up. Let's vote. Let's vote. This is Baptist church. Let's vote. Just an empty shell. Hold them up there. Big and high. I set you up for that one, amen. That shell's not empty at all. As a matter of fact, that nutshell in my hand is completely full. In fact, it is not only full, but it's running over. What is it filled with? Something you can't see. But it's there. Can anybody deny that it's there? It's filled with air, isn't it? Isn't it filled with air? Can you see air? Is it real? You better believe in things you can't see. Amen. You may need another breath sometime. <laughs> hey, that's what air is, isn't it? It's, it's what we breathe. It's breath. And did you know that that nut is completely filled with breath? And when Jesus found us, and opened our old hard hearts and cleaned out the sin down on the inside and made a new creation out of us at the very same moment. Listen, at the very same moment that squirrel was digging that inside out of that nut. It was filling up with air. And when he was done, it was full. And at the very same moment the Lord was taking away our sins, the Holy Spirit was coming in to take the, the breath of God. The breath of God was coming in to fill up the void and the emptiness. And every believer is indwelled by the Holy Ghost of God. Can you see him? No. But is there, is there any doubt that he's real? No. He's there on the inside. Amen. Full, completely, and running over. You know why the world looks at us and they say, I don't want to be a Christian because Christian's life is just empty. No fun. Can't do this. Can't do that. Can't do the other. Just They look at us like we're just empty shells. And you know what? Sometimes we encourage it because we act like that. 
But I want you to know that being saved is and, and knowing God and enjoying the goodness of God and the presence of God is not a dry, dull, empty life. And when we walk in the Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit and our cup is full and running over, amen? And we have a blessed life and a joyful life and we have a wonderful life in the Lord. We have something, though, that the world can't see. And they, they say they don't believe in things they can't see. But I notice they're breathing air too, amen? If you don't believe what you can't see, hold your breath forever. And if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. Every believer is indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. And he comes in to fill our lives and to empower us for living and for serving the Lord. Now, I know something else. I know, I know something else about that one that's living up in my pine tree. I know he's been down here before but I know something else. I know he's coming back again. I know that. You know how? Well, you know, naturalists didn't always think that. I read a little book. Naturalists used to think that squirrels sort of they gathered up their food. Two full days, you can start watching for him because he'll be back any minute. I said he'll be back any minute. <laughs> Amen. And when he does come back, I'm talking about this squirrel in my tree. When he does come back, you know what he's coming for? You know what he's going to be looking for? He's going to be looking for, well, let's go, let's look in. Look what, take your Bible and look in the Song of Solomon, chapter number 6. In the Song of Solomon, chapter number 6, you know Song of Solomon is that love story in the Old Testament. It's that story about the bridegroom and the bride-to-be looking forward to the marriage. And notice in verse number 1, the daughters of Jerusalem are speaking to the prospective bride. And they ask her a question. And they say, Whither is thy beloved gone, O thou fairest among women? Where's the bridegroom? Where's he gone to? And look at what she says in verse number 2. My beloved is gone down into his garden, to the beds of spices, to feed in the gardens and to gather lilies. My beloved is gone down to his garden. Wonder what kind of garden it is. Look in verse number 11, and we'll let him answer the question. In verse number 11, he says, in verse number 11, he says, I went down into the garden of nuts. <laughs> to see the fruit of the valley, and to see whether the vine flourished, and the pomegranates budded. In other words, it was harvest time. 
and he went down to gather in the fruit and to gather in the harvest. Amen. He, at harvest time, he goes down to the garden of nuts. You know when that squirrel comes back again down that tree, you know what he's going to be looking for? He's going to be looking for nuts. Now, do you know where he's going to find them? And you say, well, same place you found them before. Well, he can go back there. If he goes back there, he might find a few on the ground, but not many. Do you know where most of them are? Most of them are not laying on the ground. Most of them are buried underground. Because he spent the whole autumn out gathering up nuts and burying them safely away in little hiding places. So nobody would know where they were and, and find them and take them away because they belong to him. And for about 2,000 years now, the Holy Ghost has been gathering them in, making a change. Hey, hiding them away, burying them underground. And I've stood just like you had too many times by the graveside of a loved one and a piece of my heart went in that grave with them and walked away sorrowing. But the Apostle Paul says we do sorrow. But we do not sorrow as others who have no hope. Because when the Lord Jesus comes back again, when he comes down from way up yonder, he's coming back for what's been buried there underground. I thought about, I thought about how many times that you or me may have walked over a little grassy spot and not even realize that somewhere back in time one of God's little youngins had been laid to rest there. There's no marker. The grave is not even marked. There's no way for us to know they're even there. And we walk over them and are not even aware of them. But did you know he's never forgotten where one of them is? And when he comes back from up there, every one of them's coming out of the ground. And I know what he's going to do with them when he digs them up. Amen. He's going to carry them up yonder. Amen. And that's what the scripture says, isn't it? The dead in Christ shall rise and the living shall be changed. And together with them we'll be called up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I tell you, that squirrel got me all stirred up. Amen. In, in fact, he's got, me, he's got me standing under that tree just looking up. <laughs> kind of like those men, the two men in white apparel that said, you men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus that you see go away shall so come again in like manner as you've seen him go into the heavens. And, and actually, he's got me, and I, I don't want, I guess sometimes I'm afraid people think I'm kind of nuts, but he's got me talking to him. Amen. Sometimes I, I'm standing out there talking to him. I know you up there somewhere. <laughs> Have you talked to him lately? 
he's got me just telling everybody about him. I mean, every time I find a new one of these, I just have to tell somebody what's happened. Amen. Are you telling other people about him? And what he's done for you? And what he's done for others that he's changed by his grace? And I tell you what, I've even invited, invited some people to come over and help me watch for him. I'd really like to just be standing there one day, that day when he comes back down the tree and look him eyeball to eyeball and see him face to face. Amen. Have you invited anybody lately to watch for the Lord to come? And wouldn't you just like to be standing one day looking up to the clouds when you saw him coming down from away up yonder and see him face to face. And one day we will see him face to face. You know, when I thought about the squirrel and the nuts and all that, th there was one thing really I didn't understand. I'll be honest. There's one thing I, I couldn't figure out. What I couldn't figure out was if he loves hickory nuts so much, why didn't he just go build a nest in a hickory tree? Doesn't that make sense? I mean, it does to me. If he loves them so much, why doesn't he just go out there where they are and build his nest with them? And then I found out there's a good reason why he didn't build his nest in a hickory tree. He built it in that pine tree because that's exactly where he wanted to be. You see, although they do like hickory nuts, their favorite food is pine cones and pine nuts. And they liked the pine tree because of all the cover. That squirrel was exactly where he wanted to be. Now, I want you to see something here. Don't miss this. If you don't get anything else tonight, I want you to get this. That squirrel was perfectly satisfied where he was in his own tree. In fact, he could have stayed up in that tree and never come down. And those hickory nuts could have laid out there on the ground until they rotted. Amen? But there was something laying out there in a fallen state on the ground in the deep darkness of the woods that he loved so much that he was willing to leave the comforts of his own tree and come all the way down from up there and go all the way out to where they were and pick them up and bring them back home again. And I say, I believe again, we see a glimpse of the heart of God. God could have stayed in His heaven where He was with the angels singing glory to His name and He could have let us all go to hell and He would have still been God and He would have still been just. But when we were perishing, in sin and condemnation. He loved me and you so much that He was willing to come all the way down from where He was and leave the portals of glory and to go down into the valley of the shadow and take our sin and bear our condemnation so that He could bring us back home with Him and one day take us up to reign with Him on high. Well, you know, when, when I first found one of those shells under the tree, and then I found another one, I, I still thought, maybe it's a coincidence. 
maybe it was an accident. Maybe somebody just threw that in my yard. I don't know where it came from, but surely there, there can't be a squirrel in my tree because I've never seen it. But did you know that as days pass, and, and I found a few more, and I found a few more, and more, and more, and more, and more, I realize there's too much evidence for you to convince me that there's not a squirrel living in my tree. And when I go from meeting to meeting and church to church and city to city and I meet new people, more and more and more whose hearts have been changed, whose lives have been changed, who've been saved by the grace of God, there's just too much evidence for you to convince me that he's not up there. He is up there and he will be back again right on time. Right on time. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead.